So we're going to read, we have a slightly longer passage in the Moravian text this morning, but I'm going to do verses 29 through 35, um, which doesn't make sense unless, like, Jesus has just finished talking to the disciples and to um, a, a group of people, and he's talking about John the Baptist and how people rejected John the Baptist and he's like, you didn't even understand who he was. Like, he, he, not, he was a prophet, but he was even greater than a prophet. He was the one that, like, the scriptures talked about when they're like, he's the one who's paving the way for this. Um, he's the one who's, like, opening the door of the messianic age. He's the one that is opening the door so that everyone will know that the Messiah is coming. So you can see in verse 27, I'll send him my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, which is coming from Malachi. Um, so it's talking about, like, this is, this is basically the lighthouse that's like swinging around telling you that there is someone. It's like I start talking and she like, there's something about my voice that calls out to her and she wants to sing with me. I like that. Um, so John is this prophet, but he's greater than a prophet. He is the prophet that every, all the other prophets have talked about who will point to, like immediately point to what it, the one that we've been waiting for. So verse, um, we'll start with 28. I tell you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he, which is really a very interesting um, understanding of, it gives us an interesting window into like what the kingdom of God is like. Verse 29, which is like a giant parenthesis. All the people, even the tax collectors, when they heard Jesus' word, acknowledged that God's way was right, because they had been baptized by John. But the Pharisees and experts in the law rejected God's purpose for themselves, because they had not been baptized by John. So this is important, because it's setting up two different parties. Um, It's people who are open to repentance, and people who are not open to repentance. Like, those are the two separate parties. People who understand what it is that God is up to and people who don't understand what God is up to. This will be really important for understanding what Jesus is about to say. To what then can I compare the people of this generation? And so when, when he says this generation, he's talking about all the people who are alive right now who are not open to repentance. So it's not everyone. It's, when he says this generation, he's talking about people who are alive who are not open to repentance. Who in, in another way, like if you look at who, are, who acknowledge that God's way was right, who basically another way of understanding God's way is wisdom. Like wisdom at work in a group of people would always lead them to repentance. So they are not acknowledging like a wisdom that would lead to repentance. What can I compare people who are closed to repentance? What are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling out to each other. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not cry. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you say, Here is a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by all her children. All right, so that is... I think this is... So that is... That's actually a parable... And I think it is one of the more confusing parables. See, she just, she really likes my voice. She wants to sing with me. Bella, do you want to sing? Um, I mean, she's clearly happy. I mean, she's always happy. So this is a parable, but I actually think it's one of the more confusing parables because it's not really, 
Um, it's not illustrated terribly well in like the translation of what's going on. So you, the, the picture is this. You're in a marketplace, um, and you've got, you've got parents who are buying and selling goods in a marketplace. Their children are along with them, but clearly they're bored, and they're looking for playmates. Um, and so what it is that they're trying to do is that they're trying to play um, a particular like fantasy game. And so the first picture is, hey, do you want to come play, um, like, pretend like we're at a wedding together? Like, that's the idea. Like, do you want to come pretend like you're getting married and I'm getting married? Or, like, this person's getting married and we can be part of the family and, like, we're going to pretend like we're at a wedding. Um, and the, the common picture of, like, the Jewish wedding is, like, all of the dancing that happens. So, like, many cultures that are really old, dancing is a huge part of their of their culture. That's actually something that we have lost. Uh, you can, I mean, if you go to weddings now, they're still dancing, but it's not dancing like that used to be where they're, in the sense that like we have, um, like if you go to weddings now, by and large, it like you will have lots and lots of dancing, but it's not like the ritual dancing that you would see, like, that you would see in some of these ancient cultures. You're doing the same dances for thousands of years. Um, we have songs that we all know the choreography to now, and there are songs that we all like associate with weddings now. But by and large, it's not like, this is a Jewish dance. This is a blank dance that has lasted for thousands and thousands of years. Um, and so it's like, hey, dancing is part of a wedding. Do you want to come and like play, play with us essentially and be part of like this fantasy wedding this that we're like imagining? And you've got another group of children who are like, no, we don't want to do that. We think your wedding is stupid. Um, and then he's like, all right, well, let's do the flip of it. Like, what if we pretended like we were at a funeral? Let it, let's, what if like great aunt Mildred has died? Um, and let's pretend that we're at a funeral. And they're like, no, we think that's a stupid idea too. We don't want to be part of your dumb funeral. And so the, the, like you have two opposite extremes. This is the important part for what's about to come. You've got, you've got this one group of children inviting another group of children to be part of like this really joyful celebration. And they're like, no, we don't want to be part of your stupid, joyful celebration. It's like, okay, well, what if we, what if we did the opposite? Would you like to be part of the funeral? And like, we could play and do that. And they're like, no, we don't want to be part of your stupid funeral either. Um, and, and that's what it, it's like two different, like extreme things of invitation that these kids are being invited into. Verse 33, for John the Baptist came neither eating nor drinking wine, and you say he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking, and you say here is a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. What Jesus is trying to set up is that, is, is that there is one kingdom of God, um, and there is not one simple expression of what the kingdom is. So John is inviting people into it, and he is what's called an ascetic which means he, he rejects a lot of the things that are like the joy-filled parts of life. Food, drink, partying, merriment, which is not like, if, it, if that's all there is, that is not the full expression of the kingdom of God. Um, on the other hand, you have Jesus who's like, hey, like there's a reason people call me a drunkard and a glutton. It's because I'm always partying. Um, and you don't want anything to do with that either. And you call me a sinner and a friend of tax collectors. Um, that, that word right there where it says he has a demon, that's shorthand for he's crazy. 
Um, so that doesn't actually mean people thought John the Baptist has a demon in him. It's just a way of saying, like in the same way that we have phrases that are pretty derogatory. When we say that someone is slow or someone is stupid or someone is crazy, um, and I will not say what some of those derogatory phrases are, um, as they might be misinterpreted. And we just don't need, we all know what some of those things might be. I'm going to move on now. That's shorthand for he's crazy. Like, this is a person who came either eating bread or drinking wine. He's out, out in the middle of the desert. He's wearing camel's hair. He's eating locusts. He's a nut job. Um, that's what it is that they're saying. On the other hand, here's me, and I came eating and drinking, and your response to that is, well, clearly you're a drunkard, and clearly you're a sinner, because you're hanging out with sinners, and you're drinking way too much, you're eating way too much. It's like, so which is it? Like, what, what is the thing that you're going to, because what, what Jesus is essentially saying, and what it is that you say, you see is like, both are the invitation to the same thing, which is Repentance. Both is like the gateway into the kingdom of God is repentance, and you wanted neither of these two expressions. It's an invitation into the same kingdom, but you wanted neither of those two things. Like you didn't want to play. And so what it is that he's like, look, this is what's going to happen. Wisdom is going to be proved right by her offspring. Like give this thing time to grow, and you will see what it is that I'm talking about. If you give this thing time to grow, you will see... Um, that it's the whole of not, not, it's not just the whole of this thing. Like the, the full expression of the kingdom of God is both feasting and fasting. Like in this life, like there will be a life where there won't be any fasting. That's the life to come. But in this current expression, it's feasting and fasting. That's the whole expression. And you wanted nothing to do with either of those two things. Wisdom is going to show you, like that you've made a big mistake. Essentially, what Jesus is saying. If you go back up to verse 20, I tell you, among those born of women, there's no one greater than John, yet the one who's least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. All the people, even the tax collectors, when they heard Jesus' words, acknowledged that God's way was right because they had been baptized by John. But the Pharisees and experts of the law rejected God's purpose for themselves because they had not been baptized by John. He's just trying to give a deeper understanding, like you were not open to repentance. Like you thought you were doing the right thing because you kept all the rules, but that was, again, that was never the point. The point wasn't that you would keep the rules. The point is that you would be doing the original thing that you were created to do. Return to Eden. Love God, love people. The point of the law was to help you understand how to do that. And somehow, some way, you have kept the law Your hearts have still grown hard, and they are so hard that you can't even see it repent and come back to the original thing, which was like that you would have compassion on your brother and in your sister, that you would love your brother and your sister. You can't do that. And there's this whole group of people who you've outright rejected, and they are open to that. They recognize that they've deviated from what it is that God has been wanting to do in his people. And they have repented and turned around and come home and have embraced that. And what's going to happen is that given time, once they grow up, you're going to see the fruit of that. Because wisdom is proved right once children grow. The wisdom is proved right by her children once they're grown. So give it time. Watch what happens. One of the things that this does, more broadly speaking, in this passage, 
is that you start to see a foreshadow of what's awaiting Jesus and John. Um, If the people who have rejected Jesus and John are the Pharisees and the experts of the law, they're the ones that hold the power. And so they have said, it hasn't, it hasn't really gotten ugly yet, but if they're the ones that are being like, we want nothing to do with you, like it's a foreshadowing to what's going to be happening. Um, We're very soon going to see that John the Baptist, you know, by chapter nine, he's going to be gone. Um, So we see the first like rejection and the first martyrdom within the kingdom of God there, um, quickly followed by Jesus not too long after. And so you've got kind of dual messages that are happening here. One message being like what Jesus is saying, but also more broadly speaking, this is kind of where this thing leads. It's in the broader story of things like God's purpose and fulfillment, which it talks about uh, in verses 29 and 30, is going to be leading towards like, hey, we all know where this is going. Like this is, it's about to get ugly um, because we have these two people that are pitted against each other. The people and the people with power. And whenever you have the people with power pitted against the people, you kind of know where that thing leads. So, some fun words for us this morning.